Welcome to GenCast, a sponsored podcast series brought to you by Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. I'm your host, Jeff Bukaliskis. The pervasiveness of digital technology entwines most of our daily lives and can often be of great benefit for increasing productiveness and efficiency, two attributes that every lab manager and PI would love to capitalize on. Laboratories are no stranger to cutting-edge equipment, and new digital trends such as connected devices, cloud computing, and big data analysis are beginning to find a home in the lab, and in some instances, bring new life to even the most ubiquitous pieces of equipment. In today's podcast, we'll discuss how digitization is improving lab work in academic and industry settings. Additionally, our panelists will tell us about some of the digital solutions they currently work with and how they envision the future of the digital laboratory. Let's meet our two guests for today's discussion. My name is Hans de Kok. I'm from Italy University and I'm connected to the biology department. I'm a microbiologist by training. So in our lab, we study bacteria, but also fungi and all kinds of conditions. My background is in this area, in both areas actually, but mostly now on fungal infections. My name is Ralf Kuntner. I'm running my own business. The company is called Team Factory, and I'm accompanying and consulting and coaching companies in any industry on all topics around digitalization. And originally, I am a mechanical engineer, so I studied mechanical engineering, holding a master there, spent a lot of years with SAP projects, and in the last six years, I was with telecommunications company and built up an industrial team and could gain a lot of insights into all of these new topics. All right, gentlemen, thank you for joining us on GenCast today. I look forward to a really lively discussion on digitizing the laboratory environment. So our first question is going to be for Ralph. What is digitalization in your own words? Thanks, Jeff, for this question. And it's a very challenging one. So from my perspective, we are digitalizing since close to 40 years. So since the invention of the microprocessor. And in my opinion, there are two waves of digitalization. So in the third industrial revolution, which is closely connected to automating processes, we used digitalization to make our own value chain and our own processes more efficient. And in the current wave, which is called the fourth industrial revolution, we are now seeing technologies arising like IoT, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, etc. And the things change in terms of the old technologies they developed kind of linear, so you could foresee how they are moving forward. And all of these new technologies, they are evolving exponentially. So in my words, digitalization is using new technologies, new organizational structures, and new knowledge about human brains and behaviors to continue increasing product and process efficiencies, creating new customer experiences, and developing new business models based on data. Great. Thanks, Ralph. And based on that explanation, what would you say your experiences are with other industries going digital? The experiences I have uh, are very similar to the life sciences industries. So I was looking into mechanical engineering companies. So everything around smart factories, smart manufacturing, but also in the smart building topics. 
And looking back five years, we started with kind of creating awareness in the companies about all these new topics. And all of these companies, independent of the industries, they are going through the same process. So they need to understand what the new topics are all about. They need to gain a lot of knowledge in these areas. And the top management realized why should take care about digitalization. But what they are struggling with is the how and the what. So what are the first steps? Where is the value in everything which is coming newly? These are the questions they are still trying to get answers to. So Hans, I think you can probably provide an interesting sort of academic perspective here. Digitalization, how would you say it improves productivity in laboratories or are there any other benefits beyond that? Yeah, sure. In the lab, we've seen quite some evolution in how people work. For myself, connected in the lab already for like 30 years. And when I look back in that time, everything was relatively simple in the sense that you had a set of few simple machines and apparatus and equipment and so on that would culture cells. Let me speak about my own field, microbiology. And for the rest, I mean, you did a lab journal that was a paper and there was not even a computer, but that came in later. And then we went on with digitalization steps by using computers for writing. That's it. But now we see clearly that there is a digitalization that is going on beyond that. It is being used in many different kinds of ways in the lab. The lab becomes very sophisticated, I think, and that is what we see already happening now and that will go on for the future. With you know, a lot of technology sort of moving to that sort of smart home movement, you know, your Alexas, your Googles and so forth, can you see that being useful or applicable in daily lab work? What we see actually is, well, this smart home move is also seen for scientists working at home, uh, but still connected to the lab in all kinds of ways. As I said, the lab journals have been digitalized in our institute, at least. I mean, people have access to that lab journal and go to their data and do the analysis online on support systems, you know, that are within the academic presence. But not only that, I mean, it's also true that people have online connections already to certain machines and equipment that are being used in research for a long time, seeing data being generated already. So if that's online, you can do that from the place within the academy, but also from home. So there is a whole evolution going on there. Great. And so, Ralph, whether it be a company providing new digital service or a user like a lab manager, what do you think is needed for things to go digital? So the first thing I think is to get a common understanding about what digitalization is all about. Because independent which company we are talking about, if I'm asking somebody in marketing, of course, everything around marketing automation, social web, digital marketing, that's digitalization for them. If I'm asking Hans in the lab, for example, digitalization is all about how to connect different instruments, different machines, and how to easily in future and seamless create workflows and control the workflows properly with all of the regulations behind. So that uh, common understanding about digitalization is number one. 
Number two, you need to dig into the different areas. You need to understand the technologies so that you are able, ideally, jointly with your clients, with your customers, and it's independent if it's external customers or internal customers, try to find out where and how to use all of these new technologies to create value and a benefit for yourself or for your company. And the last thing, and this is where most of the companies are struggling, is Digitalization is not about technologies only. It's also about creating a, an organizational environment and a mindset which allows using all of these new stuff to create a benefit and a value. I would like to add my thoughts about that. The data that the scientists generate during their work should be recorded with the highest accuracy, which is required for reproducibility. And I think that there is also a development in that area going on by recording everything that's possible while you're doing the experiment and saying what you're doing or even filming what you're doing to keep this data lab journal perfect. And to add to this, to do all of these things, if you know what you would like to do, the next thing, of course, is to find or create an IoT or a data orchestration platform which fulfills all of these needs. Absolutely, yeah, that's a very important thing. And what's also important is that this area, these new technologies, if you combine them, like you said, using artificial intelligence, using IoT, using augmented reality, this is getting more and more complex. And what we see in future with all of these new technologies, this will have a similar or a higher complexity. And what's important is we cannot build up all of the knowledge which is necessary. And that's the reason why ecosystems should be increased. And it's independent if you are a lab person or if you are a provider of something like platforms in this area. That's right, yeah. Great. And so looking through the lens of what digitalization can offer, what kind of trends do you guys see? Yeah, so in the lab, I see things like the connectability of systems. That is a very important thing. The controllability of equipment and also setting and safety. It also should be easy, manageable. Maybe to add to this one, so what we saw in the last, uh, let's say, two, three years, that, of course, the trend goes in the direction using cloud environments. So when I talk to regulated companies two, three years ago, the first questions I always got is, yeah, the cloud, is it secure? Is it safe? What about data privacy, etc.? And these kind of discussions are getting less and less and less. So I think one clear trend is to move towards clouds where we have the capability to store data, which are not only our own data, but also data from the ecosystem. Especially in a lab environment, there are two big use case groups. The first one is what I call logistics. That's everything around knowing more about the instrument, like a freezer, a centrifuge. So it's a condition monitoring. It's a topic of audit trailing. It's alerting if something goes wrong or asset and fleet management to exactly know where the different instruments are. And the second, more powerful group of use cases is everything related to supporting an end-to-end -end workflow in a lab using artificial intelligence, speech recognition, face recognition to leverage the technologies and make these end-to-end -end workflows as efficient as possible. So 
having the data in the cloud. I know that in my academic environment, there is still this issue on safety. The data, if it's there, should be safe in the sense of we have projects here with IP rights and people want to have claims and don't want to have someone stealing data. So the safety in that context is an issue here. And there's another issue that is that all data should be owned by the university themselves in order to have the ability to check the data. And even for you know fraud that happens in science, that could be checked by having the ability to go to the data and to see again and look back you know, what people have done. So Hans, we know that sometimes the trends don't always match up to what we always need. So how do you see the needs of labs or researchers evolving in the next few years? And what do you expect from future lab equipment? As I said before, I think what's very important is the connectability. And so if there is a platform providing a connection, then actually all equipment that is in use should be able to be connected to that to give the data. So for instance, like what we do in the microbiology is we study mushroom formation, but this is dependent on a lot of environmental factors. That is light, that's CO2 and temperature and humidity. And so maybe and a few other parameters. And so all these things should be measured actually. It should be measured in time because there's also this rhythm within nature, you know, is light and dark and so on. And so all these effects you want to record because these are data. So there's lots of those different equipment with different settings and so on. And so all these things should be connected. That is a very important thing, the connectability, and then to control this. I think that is a major issue in our lab and what I see also in other labs. In our department, we have the biology department here. Where we have a big set of groups who work on plants, which have similar issues, light and CO2 and humidity and so on. And so they have all these controllable rooms where they want to generate certain circles and cycles of culturing. And this should be measured. And, you know, if something goes wrong or something happening with electricity or a problem in a building, that generates an issue and that should be recorded as well so that people know and can read back, you know, what is done. So all these things, and this was not possible in the past. This is now becoming possible. This is a high demand, actually, for the researchers. So, Ralph, in your opinion, why do you think digital services have become such a demand recently? And what are your experiences with digitized services? So to the first question, there are two answers. So there are industries currently already where digital services like condition monitoring or ability to remotely access the devices from somewhere in the world, they are already becoming like commodity kind of services. So you need to do it because the competitors are doing this. And if we look into the lab environment, all of the equipment providers for the lab, they are currently developing in digital services on top of their products. So in this area, you need to follow the industries and the development of the market. And the second question is, of course, everybody who is developing digital services or consuming digital services and solutions, they are hoping to generate additional revenue to decrease their internal costs. And by combining and storing data from different sources, maybe come up with new business models, which brings them ahead of the competition. And the experiences with digital services is many companies are putting a lot of effort in finding the digital services which are relevant for their markets and are really engineering all of this stuff, but they are sometimes forgetting how to sell them. So because you are selling all of these digital services in future, 
not with a fixed price, maybe, or selling them based on subscriptions, based on pay-as-you-go. This is a new topic, and many companies are not into this one. And last but not least, what is very vital, all of these digital services, you cannot look into them as a single solutions. They all need to be connected and integrated in existing environments. And in the lab, you need to be able to connect these new services and solutions, for example, with laboratory information systems, with ELN systems, so that you generate a comprehensive end-to-end -end solution and not just a digital service. Great. And back to you, Hans, sort of the million-dollar question here, which I think you already touched on briefly earlier, but are you using currently any digitized services in your lab? Yes, we do. Uh, we have several services that have been installed in the academy here. So we have the digital lab journals now, which is obligatory. We have a second system running that is storage of microorganisms in collections, and that is a full overview with the strains we have, but also what kind of risk groups they are. And this is because of regulations on working with GMOs. So we have to do that as well. So authorities outside can have a look into our system to see what kind of GMO work we are doing. And we have already some equipment here that is connectable to our system, so we can have some readouts of parameters. But this is still in a very early phase, and that's in high demand. Gentlemen, that's all the questions I have. So thank you very much for your time today. And thank you for joining us for this episode of GenCast. Thank you. Thank you. A valuable discussion that clearly highlights the notion that digitization is a scientist's friend and could be the solution to help translate basic science research into real therapeutic potential. Thanks for listening to GenCast. For genetic engineering and biotechnology news, I'm Jeff Pogaliskas. 